Aggregate functions like count, average, max, min are very useful. We use them all the time. However, if used improperly at the wrong uh, database tuning and configuration, they can show visible performance degradation. And this is what I want to discuss in this video. Let's jump into it. Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcast. With that said, let's get on on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So I made this poll on my social media that have this question. A table T with one column A and 100 million rows. There is an index on A. Which one of these queries are more likely to use the index? So the first one is select count star from T. Second one, select max A from T. The third one is select average A from T. And the fourth one is all of the above. So... The short answer to this is max is more likely to use the index. But so the most appropriate answer is max. But the question is really why? Why is max the fastest here? This all comes back to understanding the basic fundamentals of how indexes are built and how tables are built. And once you really understand that, uh, this questions become really easy because you really know how things are built. We pick one by one, like select count. To count every single entry right, in the table, you have to scan the entire table. And from experience, we know that scanning the table directly is easier than actually going and scanning a B3, which is, which is not designed for sequential scanning. You know, it's just easier to go to the table and read page by page and then count the rows. But you might have this question, why isn't the index have an updated value of the latest count. Why don't we do that? If you really want to do that, then you just killed concurrency. What does that mean? Counting is really one of the hardest problems in, in database uh, systems, especially one if you want to do it concurrently, because how do you do that? You're assuming that you have a single writer, right? That, that inserts rows to this table, but no, we have multiple, uh, we want, remember these insert, we want these insert to be as fast as possible. 
right? So we use this concurrency, we use a lot of other threads rise to the table. And usually these threads, they don't know anything about each other. You just write and insert new records at the end. So if you now introduce a counter, whether this is an index or another data structure, then you have to include some sort of a mutex or a lock. You have to, uh, first of all, you have to acquire a lock on the count. And then if, if a new row comes in, you increment that and you have to pose any other inserts. Meanwhile, otherwise you're going to get a miscount all the time, right? So counting, if you, the moment you count, you lose throughput. So nobody actually does it. There is another way to give you an estimate of the count. I made a video about that. I'm going to reference it here. Just give you an estimate. And they, these are the database statistics that he's like, hey, I think it's around this number. And this is basically from the inserts that the database collects. But the, the database statistics never actually intervene and unlock things and never slows things down. It counts whatever it can count. So counting is out of the question. It's just not, not performant to use the index. It doesn't make any sense. So if you do count on a large table, doesn't need to use the index. There is obviously some exceptions where you have a where clause and that where clause uh, have a field that uh, that is indexed and it returns a, a, a small collective number that will use the index in this case. But if you have like an unbounded count, you know, query, it will not use the index, you know. So that's that's what I'd like to always discuss in these questions. There's no one answer all the time. It's that's why I added the uh, that's why I added like uh, what is more likely to use the index. Then if we will go to the average, we have the same problem. To average something, you need the whole count, right? Which puts out the same back to the same problem. And you also need to actually iterate through all these entries in order to calculate this average. And the moment you iterate through things, it's just especially large number of things that you need to iterate through. You just go to directly to the table. And right, so average and count are less likely to use the index. Now, with that said, there is really an exception when it comes to count and average and if you have an in, a non-clustered index versus a clustered index. And I'm going to mention that at the end of the video. But let's go back to the max. Max, right, is the best thing you can use for an index. Why? Because if you think about B-tree structure, these B-tree entries are, are organized into pages. And the B-tree is designed to be sequential and ordered. And the most important thing in the index is that is in order. So if you ask the index, you can know the first page of that index, and you can immediately know the last page of the index. And guess what? The first page will always have the lowest number of entries, like the smallest entries, and the last page will have the maxed entries. So you can use a big O of one to go to the last page, and you can go with a big O of one to go to the first page that cost nothing, right? You're not looping through anything. You know the last page. And if you go to the last page, you can pick the last uh, key. And that key is the maximum. If you go to the first page and you pick the first key, that key is the minimum. And obviously, I'm admitting here that you need you, the database might 
need to check if this entry is dead or alive. This is especially true in case of Postgres, where it needs to go back to the heap and fetch that page and check the, uh, the, the, the what do we call the hint table, the hint columns to see, okay, did someone delete this entry? Uh, did someone update this entry? Am I looking at an old entry? Right, and this is where heap only tuple comes into the picture and all that jazz. But, but in a nutshell, max and min are the best when it comes to when you when you have an index obviously if you don't have an index right and you're asking hey give me that in uh give me the maximum right the database will suffer right as a result because there is no index there is no order right that kind of kills the database if you don't have order that's the, the database Databases and any I.O. workload hates randomness. Like SSD, what kills SSD is randomness, random reads and random writes. It's just what kills any disk and any performance. If you know things are ordered and sorted, this is the best thing. That's why most of the you know interview questions are like, oh, sort this and sort that and sort that. Sorting is really critical to get a data structure that is sorted and if you know things are sorted you can make so much better assumptions as a result so now these most of these aggregate functions can't really take advantage of indexes because we're scanning a large number of data right and, and indexes are not designed to scan a large number of stuff and return them it's designed to find a few items that's what v trees are designed for if you're looking for one or two or 10 or 100 things indexes are beautiful for that but if you're actually scanning the entire table or large portion of it it just the index the b3 will just slow you down it's better to just read the direct table and so now what do we do with these count and average and, and standard deviation functions now if i only have to scan the table in this case then what if my table is organized such that the columns are stored first, right? So if you store the columns first, you know, all the entries of the columns, column by column, then a single IO. So if you store the table column by column, so you take column A and you pick all the values for all the 100 million rows and you actually store them that way, right? And then you take the second column and you do the same thing. This way, a single read in the page will give you just beautiful values of that column. No garbage, none, other, none of the other stuff. This is unlike the row storage model, which most of the database uses, right? So this comes back to this discussion of column store versus row store. That's why if you were doing analytics and aggregation like that, column store is really the best because a single read will give you just that, a collection of just that value, nothing else. So that you're going to get a lot from your IO versus if you do a, a, a a single IO to read a page that happens to have all oh, this column, the salary column, and it has also the date of birth, and you have also the name and the first name, which you're going to throw away because you're not going to read of that. So the trick here is to minimize the number of IOs. That's why analytics and aggregation are, are best 
use cases for column store and column store families, you know, like uh, I believe MediaDB have a column store, uh, SAP HANA has a column store, uh, Cassandra has a column store option, even Postgres, you can install an extension to make it a column store. This workload is called usually the OLAP, online LAP online analytic and processing to so your analysis right? so this comes back to all these aggregates and it really comes down to what the database is doing and once you really understand what the function your executor is doing and then how is your data stored and you, go, you can go more into more tuning like fill factor and how much a page can have data and this comes really becomes really important in case of clustering which is the next final point that i want to make if you have a clustered index right or a clustered table usually a clustered table is a table that has a primary key and we really mean a primary key that is actual primary key here which is the table itself is no longer just this random blob of heap that has just rows, right, stored in, in whatever the insert order happened to come. No, the, a cluster table is an ordered table around that primary key. So if you have a primary key that is integer, you know, that means any value that you insert, you insert a value of one, the the value will go to this page one and if you have a value of two it will go next to it three go next to it if you enter in insert hundred it will make a space and insert it somewhere else right and then if you insert four it will find the three and insert the value right there so it as you insert it is the table is actually ordered you know uh, so Oracle, for example, calls this an index organized table, IOT. And I, I love this because it's literally a table that is organized around an index, right? SQL Server calls it a clustered index. And you can only have one clustered index because you can only order the table one way, right? So if you have a table that is already ordered by default, the beauty of this is if you do a read, you get everything that is actually ordered, the bad thing about this is your inserts slightly are suffering because now every insert actually need to to know where it where it needs to go right because it's ordered unlike in a non-clustered index you don't need to order anything in a non-clustered index you just insert 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 so you're not reading anything you're just inserting so it's almost like a append only okay? versus a clustered index no you have to take that row and find where you need to put it. And it becomes really interesting if you're in, in two cases. Right? And we're going to come to the count and the average. Come back to that. If you are inserting um, sequential values, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, it's all, all sequential. You, know? you have a sequence on the back end and that primary key is organized around the sequence you know this is based on how the database actually designed this the last page will always be the busiest page because you're inserting right so what does that mean because as you insert like let's say you you're inserting 
thousands of thousands of rows at the same time. You'll have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then hundred and hundred and one hundred to all of these are fighting on the last or the tail page. So you have all these threads that are trying to insert to the same page. And guess what? You need try to insert in memory. And memory doesn't, you cannot just write in the memory like willy-nilly. You have to acquire a mutex. You have to lock it. The moment you lock something, you start failing the race conditions. You know? So the insert actually slows down if you have massive amount of write competing on this small amount of space you know, on the page itself. This is where you need to really think about what you can do when it comes to that. This That particular case, technically random roads are, are kind of faster as this in SQL Server. I'm not sure about other databases, but it really, this comes down, now you're in, into the advanced database engineering, right? It's like, okay, how, what does the database actually do in that particular case? And very few people can answer, answer these questions, right? You, you're, in, you're alone at this point. You know, and trying to understand what's happening low level at the database. And, and every database does this differently. Some databases take this page and then, okay, I'm, I'm going to write everything to memory. And then uh, as I write everything to memory, I'm going to flush my wall changes so I, in case, uh, so I have durability. But also when I write this, right, I write everything into the same page. I have sequential slowdown because, because only one thing can be written to a specific page to memory location at a specific time right? it's just you can't have multiple right this at this point we're 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 uh, with we're at our limitation when it comes to cpu writing to a piece of memory no two cpus can write into the piece same piece of memory at the same time They're, the bus controls that right so we, we, we hit limitations. And once you understand these limitations, you go into trying to actually improve these limitations. But yeah, this is one limitation, the, the sequential thing. And I'm not quite sure how to get away with it, to be honest. Uh, this, is, uh, this is really way above my head when it comes to these things. I'm not really an advanced, you know, I, I don't write database uh, systems, but this is these are kind of questions that people take PhDs and try to answer these. This is like very advanced stuff. So the other thing is, let's have a primary key as a random. Now, if, you, if the primary key is random, then, well, if I'm going to insert, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to do is a UUID, for example, yeah, it's completely random. So as you insert, you don't have these locks anymore. So your write will be fast because no two writes will ever compete on the same page, almost. Okay? They will always have their write to their own memory location. So that's nice, random. But guess what? As you write to a page, you need to pull it in memory. Right? So let's say random UID number one, this page. And then the, the UID number two, page seven, UID number three, page 818. So you're pulling these pages in memory, but you almost never, never write to them. You just pull something in memory, write to it once, and you keep it in memory dirty. Right? What we call a buffer pool. 
you keep you keep these pages of memory yeah your writes are fast but your memory is filling up real quick this is unlike the sequential one you have you have just one page that is hot you're just writing to the same page but now you're competing on frankly speaking cpu i guess right look at the memory is just we have one memory and where everybody's just trying to compete on writing to that single page which we you have uh, effectively mutex and latches and people competing to write to that same page versus the random uid you have everything uh, effectively writing the random one and uid might start fast once your memory pool is filled the ram is filled you're dead because what what happened when you fill the buffer pool you have all these dirty pages you effectively trigger what we call a checkpoint and when you trigger a checkpoint says derby says hold the fuck up i need to write everything that i have in memory i have so much shit in my memory i need to write it to disk right now stop so we'll just just takes all the resources that it needs to flush all these pages to desk for debility and checkpointing reasons and this is so expensive and if it keeps happening over and over again as you fill the memory with all these dirty pages and and and, and sadly these pages are so lightly written you have one page that changed one byte not byte i'm exaggerating you change one thing in this uid and then you write it down you know how sad this is you just wasted the the right amplification that is happening in all the layers from the database layer to the file system to the ssd to the many lbas that you need to hit oh my god so we're, we're screwed either way with clustered that's why you have to really be careful when it comes to clustered is and I, I don't have all the answers guys i'm just telling you what it is to be honest and again these these are kind of dive deep discussion and we went into all this stuff because of the aggregate function right if you come back the aggregate function come back to the first question what is uh likely to use the index count and average if your tables are clustered it will use the index why because the index is the table right because it's a clustered index and what it will effectively do it's it's a clustered index that is there is the b3 the internal nodes and then all of a sudden at the end the root you have the chain i'm assuming all b b plus three not all people use b trees anymore i talk about all that stuff by the way in my course shameless plug uh, go to database.hasen.com to enjoy the learning experience with me but yeah so you have this chain of pages with all these clustered keys together so and and every page points to the next one points to the next one so a scan of the, a, a clustered index scan as sql called uh, sql server calls it is in it identical to a table scan right so yeah if you want to be tricky you could say hussein but yeah actually now if the table is clustered then these functions will always use the index because the index is a table you can you can play with that i don't i don't want to have i don't want to have i would have to agree with you in that case right 
but uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, sorry if I'm all over the place, but I, I thought this topic is really interesting because I have been bitten so many times with these kind of low-level details. And as I more understand more of these things, I'd like to share it with you guys. And I think some of you might find this beneficial. Uh, if you already know this knowledge, then obviously you didn't learn it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get anything of this video. But if you did, uh, uh, give this video a like and uh, share it with your friend. And I'm going to see you on the next one. Guys, stay awesome. Goodbye.